0: Well, good morning, everybody, and happy new year. We celebrate 2020, yeah? Well, it's a a new year, but we're going to be talking about an old story. As a church, we've been walking through this Old Testament life story, a guy by the name of Samuel, lived about 3,100 years ago. Now, as I say that, I realize that maybe you're here church today for the very first time, or maybe you came at Christmas and you're back again today and you might be thinking to yourself, oh great, like I'm coming in the middle of a story, and I want you to know that this series called The Now really is for now. It's a standalone series. It's going to make a ton of sense. Having said that, if sometime while I'm preaching today you're going, you think to yourself, that's pretty interesting. I'd like to look into Samuel a little bit more. You can do that through the podcast and through uh, our website also. Some people, some scholars call Samuel uh, the kingmaker because uh, he was the prophet that God chose to anoint the first two kings of Israel, King Saul and King David. And for that reason, Samuel's life is kind of intertwined with those two kings, King Saul and King David. So much so, in fact, that uh, the last time we got together uh, during our eight Christmas services, the story that we talked about was the story of David and Goliath in, in, in the years before David was king. And it's amazing because I want to take that story, that story of David and Goliath, and I want it to be kind of a foundation, not only for this series, but kind of for the year 2020 for you and me. Because when I think about the story of David and Goliath, the word that comes to my mind over and over and over again, you're going to hear me speak it a lot today, is the word posture. We're going to talk a lot about posture. You're going to hear a lot about posture in 2020. I'm going to be talking a lot about the word posture. Posture is going to come up a lot of times because I'm going to say posture a lot this year. Now, I want you to think about the posture exhibited in that simple story, the story of David and Goliath. Okay, so there's David. He's a 17-year-old punk shepherd kid, and he shows up at the front lines to make a sandwich delivery. And there's the Israelite army lined up against the Philistine army, but there's a giant named Goliath who comes out. He's nine feet feet tall, ripped and ready to rumble. And he says, forget about this army v. army thing. Let's do 1v1. 1v1. And, And if you beat me, if you can find anybody in your army that can beat me, we'll serve you. But if I beat you, you'll serve us. And David arrives that day as Goliath is issuing his challenge. 17-year-old punk shepherd kid making a sandwich delivery. He hears Goliath make the challenge, and he sees the posture of the Israelite army. Could somebody give me a description of the posture of the Israelite army that day? Anybody? Fear. It's a pretty good one. It was Brianna, and she works here. So, no, you know, it's, 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 it would have been cool if someone—okay. Okay. Uh, there, there, there's more chances coming, okay? So just get, get ready for it, okay? So I think the posture of the Israelite army was fearful. Okay, and, and then David says, 17-year-old punk shepherd kid that he is, says, I'd like to take a shot at the title. I'd like to fight, what, what, what do you get if you kill Goliath? You know, and, and the word eventually reaches David's oldest brother, Eliab, that David's walking around talking like that, and Eliab comes to David and says, what are you doing? Here's a punk shepherd kid, why don't you go out and look after that scrawny flock of sheep that dad has you looking after? And if I had to choose a way to describe Eliab's posture, could you think of a word for me? Other than Brianna, could anybody give me a word that might describe Eliab's posture? Arrogant? Awesome. Anybody else? Proud. Proud. Uh, maybe a little critical? Maybe a little cynical? But, 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 but David's posture was a little bit different. David had a posture of faith. And the question that I have for you and I have for me as we lean forward into 2020 is just this. What if he didn't? Like, what, what, what if he didn't? That story would have played out much differently. In fact, what if David would have walked up to the front lines that day and his posture would have been th- like that of the Israelite army, Fearful. He would have seen Goliath issue his challenge, ripped and ready to rumble, and nine feet tall. And if David was fearful, this is what he would have said. Oh, man, am I glad that I'm just a sandwich delivery boy? Here you go. Peace out. I'm out of here, okay? Now, what, what if, what if uh, David's posture would have been more like Eliab, cynical and critical? Well, he would have looked and said, well, see... Way to go, Saul. Like, this is what you did. Like, these are the moves you make, and now here we go. we got to fight a nine-foot giant named Goliath, brother. But he didn't. He had a posture of faith. And I want to suggest to you and me uh, this year in this series called The Now. You know, I'm up here lots, and I talk about the fact that your life is a sermon, so you should preach it now, that your life is a song, you should sing it. That your life is a race and you should run it. That, 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 our, that our lives are meant to tell a great story and we should tell it now. But I really think that in order for us to tell the story that we were created to tell, it's gonna be all about our posture. Did I mention posture? We're gonna talk a lot about posture. Posture is gonna come up a lot. God's power will be determined by your posture god's power will be determined by your posture and even as i say that i realize that if you've been going to church for a long time you're like whoa whoa mike whoa god's actually omnipotent he's all powerful i agree but i wanted to make sure i got your attention so let me just phrase it a little bit differently the degree to which god's power will play out in your life this year will be determined by your posture that's radical What I just said is absolutely radical, I want you to make sure you heard it. The degree to which God, if you read through the Bible from page one to the last page, if you read through the Bible, you will see over and over again, the degree to which God's power plays out in people is determined by their posture. So let's go back to David and Goliath. You say, well, I believe that God orchestrated events so David, 17-year-old punk shepherd kid, would have showed up at the front lines the minute that Goliath was making that challenge. I agree. I agree, I think God orchestrated that moment. But now listen, David's posture was up to David. God didn't robotically take David and say, you must now say, I'd like to take a shot at the title, I'd like to fight Goliath. Uh, David said that in faith. It, it, it was about his posture. Posture. I mentioned posture, right? It was about his posture, he had a posture of faith. Okay, and, and, and when Saul got wind of the fact that David wanted to fight Goliath, and Saul came to David and said, You're a 17-year-old punk shepherd kid. You can't fight Goliath. God didn't force David to say, uh, The same God that deliver, delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. David said that in faith. He had a posture of faith. And God didn't take David and force him to go down to the stream to select five smooth stones. David did that in faith. And, and it wasn't God that, that propelled David forward and forced him to run at the Philistine and sling that stone. David did that in faith. You say, well, God, God directed that stone. i believe it, but David threw it. The degree to which God's power is going to play out in your life, in my life this year, will be determined by our posture. We're going to talk about posture today. We're going we're to talk about posture this year. Posture. Every once in a while, someone will say to me, man, something really special happens when we gather together as a, a group of believers, you know, once a week, in this case, Sunday at, a, at, a, at 11 a.m., and my, my, my response would be, not necessarily. What do you mean something special happens? Not necessarily. That all depends on our posture. It's not really a trick. It, it, it'll pretty much be the answer to every question I ask. for this. It, 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 It's about a posture. See, people say, well, 2020 is a big year for Southside Church. Yeah, it is. It's huge. So yeah, because you're building a building. What do you mean we're building a building? We're not building a building. We're not building a building. We're not building a building. We're building a foundation. It's going to be a foundation. The building that is done will be up to you and up to me. And that will be determined by the degree to which God's power plays out in our lives. And that's really all about our posture. You got it. See? We're getting it. Posture. I did some math the other day. You in all my different roles of speaking to groups of people, big and small, I probably spoke to about 1.6 million people in my life. All different groups, all different sizes. And usually within about the first 15 seconds of speaking to any particular group, I can measure the posture of the room. I can measure the faith level of the room. And I'll say something absolutely crazy to you. I spoke to a lot of groups where there's not a single person that's ever set foot in church before. Those aren't the hardest groups to speak to. The hardest groups to speak to is speaking to a group of longtime Christians who have lost their posture of worship. Like somewhere along the line, they realize that their soul is secure, but what they don't know is that their life still hangs in the balance. Let me say that again. They realize that their soul is secure, but what they don't realize is that the powerful nature or the powerless nature of their life still hangs in the balance, and that's all going to come down to their posture. Their posture. And so something special happens when we meet together. Not necessarily, but it could. It could if we look after our posture. Our posture. That's right, our posture. Because there's all kind of postures that we could walk in with today. Like we could walk in with a posture of um, distraction. (laughs) Yeah, Mike, we get it. Posture, posture, posture. posture. I got people to see, places to go. We could walk in with a posture of uh, exhaustion, Life can be tiring, you know, and, and if you really are exhausted today, uh, please don't sit in the first four rows and fall asleep. You know, I'm thinking about like putting Red Bulls on every seat. Just posture, you know, posture. Um, apathy. What's the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know and I don't care, you know, that's the answer to that. You'll get that later. Okay, so, uh, but y- 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 you can walk in, you can, you can be here with a, with a posture of religiosity a posture of religiosity. Any Seahawks fans here? Seahawks fans? Okay, well religiosity when it comes to church, in the, in, in the words of Marshawn Lynch, you sit down and you say, I'm just here so I don't get, I'm just here so I don't get fined. It's just what you do, you know? I just, it's a lucky rabbit's foot, like I'm, I'm here. It's like, it's, but I think what, instead what we should do is we should come with a, with a posture of faith. <laughs> A posture of humility. A, a posture of expectation. A posture that says, God, like, I, I, I haven't yet arrived and I, I just I want to learn today. I, I, I need your strength today. I need your hope today. I need, I need your joy today. I need you to show me my heart today. Give me one thing I can work on. Work, you know, give me one next step to take. But that all comes down to our posture. It's really all about posture. So we're building this building and I. I think it's more of a foundation, and and, and the Bible calls us living stones. We're going to bring hope and help to this city as we live powerful lives, as God fills us with hope, and God fills us with help. As we are living with the correct posture, we will build everything that we were meant to build. It comes down to posture. If you don't mind, could you stand up so I can pray for us before we jump? God, I pray that you would build our faith. I I pray that you would grow our faith, young and old, man and woman, every single one of us, that you would grow the faith of this church to such a degree that when someone walks in and they're struggling or they're going through a hard time or maybe they're walking in here for the very first time and they're low on faith, we can say, you know what? You seem like you're a little low on faith. Why don't you borrow some of mine? I have plenty to spare. God, we're expectant today. We're full of faith today. We're grateful because you're great and you're good, and we trust you. I pray this in your name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 Have a seat. We're talking about posture, posture. Okay, so let's talk about posture. Let's move on. This is going to pick up the story just after David has killed Goliath. Okay? As David was returning after killing Goliath, I thought you were going to say posture. After killing, posture. Uh, And as the soldiers were coming back home, women from every town in Israel came out to meet King Saul. They were singing joyful songs, dancing and playing tambourines and lyres. In their celebration, listen to this, the women sang, Saul has killed thousands. But David, tens of thousands. Saul did not like this. And he became very angry. He said, For David they claim tens of thousands, but only thousands for me. They will be making him king next. And so he was jealous and suspicious of David from that day on. What was Saul's posture? Jealousy. 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 It's amazing to me. Saul would have fit in really well in Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada in 2020. A posture of jealousy. It's amazing too because... From that moment on, Saul decides that he wants to kill David. He's pretty, he tries to be pretty subtle about it at first. Um, when David walked up to the front lines that day when he was going to fight Goliath, he said, man, what does the guy who kills Goliath get for killing Goliath? And one of the things they said is they get to marry, the, marry one of Saul's daughters. Okay, but Saul pulls the bait and switch with David. When David wants to marry one of his daughters, he says, oh yeah, there's just one more thing you need to do for me. You need to go get me a hundred Philistine foreskins think about that for okay so don't think about that but but, but. people say the bible is boring you know boring boring people sometimes read the bible but the bible is not boring it's like a death sentence but eventually Saul becomes not subtle at all he basically just starts throwing spears and chasing David looking to kill him we pick up the story there in 1 Samuel 19 <clears throat> when David had fled and made his escape He went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there. Word came to Saul, David is in Naoth at Ramah. So he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men and they also prophesied. Saul was told about it and he sent more men and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time and they also prophesied. Finally, he himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern at Siku, and he asked, where are Samuel and David? Well, they're over in Naoth at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God even came on him, and he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. He stripped off his garments, and he too prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay naked all that day and all that night. This is why people say, is Saul also among the prophets. Full disclosure, I have never heard anyone say, is Saul also among the prophets? But apparently back in the day, they did. What a story though. David is reunited with Samuel and Saul. Saul is laying naked on the ground. And the truth is in that moment, Saul is a dead man lying. He just doesn't know it yet. And here's why. Jealousy. There's a seed of jealousy inside of Saul that's going to grow up and bring his destruction. It's going to eat him alive. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, peace of mind makes the body healthy, but jealousy, jealousy is like a cancer. Jealousy is like a cancer. Saul's a dead man lying there. Just doesn't know yet. There's a seed of jealousy that's going to grow up and destroy him. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that God gave his people ten commandments, the ten commandments, and the tenth of the ten commandments, almost like the last one. So don't forget this one. This is the last one I'm going to mention to you. God says, do not covet. Do not be jealous. Do not want what other people have. Don't go down that road. And here's the thing that we need to remember, is that because God's saying, it's not nice to be jealous. You shouldn't be jealous. It's a really bad thing to do. It's not very kind. No, he's saying it will destroy you. it will eat you alive like it did to Saul. I guess what I'm saying is I can stand up here all I want, and I can say that your life is a great sermon, so preach it. Your life is a song, so sing it. It's a race, so run it. It's a great story, so tell it. But really, your ability to tell that great story will be determined by your posture, and jealousy will destroy the story that God wants to tell with your life. See, Saul would have fit in real well in Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada in 2020. Someone said to me the other day, social media causes jealousy. Have you ever heard anyone say that? Social media causes jealousy. Have you ever heard that? Social media causes jealousy. Okay, so it doesn't. That's a false attribution. And, and, And truth matters. So when people say that, they're really, really confusing the issue. Social media does not cause jealousy. Social media, however, does provide a convenient convenient conduit for comparison. If you choose to live your life in comparison, social media will be convenient for you. If you choose to validate yourself, to define yourself, to find uh, value in you by comparing yourself to other people, social media will be convenient for that. See, the problem once you decide you're going to define yourself by comparison, you're always going to end up jealous, aren't you? That you're going to find value in you by how you measure up to others because you're always going to find somebody who has more than you. You're always going to find somebody who makes more than you. Especially in this edited, filtered world that we live in, you're always going to find somebody who has a a more well-behaved family than you. Maybe they're better looking than you. Maybe they're more talented than you. Maybe they're more gifted than you are. Maybe they have the personality that you wish that you had. And then we end up jealous, but it wasn't, listen, it wasn't caused by social media, it was caused by a decision that you made somewhere in your heart that you were going to live your life according to comparison. So Social media is not the problem. Now, I would say this, if if jealousy is something, I'm going to tell you how to destroy it in a minute, by the way. I'm going to tell you how to destroy jealousy in your life. But for some of us, if it's a real, real huge stumbling block, maybe you should take a break for a while it's a bigger issue than, than social media, you know? Socrates said this, I'm from Red Deer. Socrates said, Envy is the filth... That's funny. Envy is the filthy slime of the soul, a venom, a poison, a quicksilver, which consumeth the flesh and dryeth up the marrow of the bones. Jealousy is a problem. Comparison and jealousy have never made you more effective. They've never made you more successful. They've never made you more joyful. They've never made you more hopeful. They've never made you more fulfilled. They've never made you more kind or more loving. So I'm gonna tell you right up front as we lean into 2020 that we need to reject, we need to destroy jealousy in our lives. And I'm gonna give you two words and four steps. If you're someone who likes to take notes, this would be a good time. I'm gonna give you two words and four steps to defeat jealousy in your life. Two words, four steps. Okay, the two words are confession and celebration. Four steps, confess to God, confess to people. Celebrate people, celebrate God. Confess to God, confess to people. Celebrate people, celebrate God. You wanna tell the great story you were born to tell? I think you should. I think 2020 is gonna be awesome. You need to defeat jealousy. And the first step is confess it to God. It's about that posture of faith and humility again, isn't it? You come to God and say, God, I need your help. You know, 2 Second, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, that God did not give you a spirit of fear. God did not give you a spirit of fear. You say, what does fear have to do with jealousy? Everything. Fear is the root of jealousy. Fear of not measuring up fear of not keeping up fear of not getting ahead god did not give you a spirit of fear so you pray and you confess to god god i need your help this comparison thing it's starting to eat me this jealousy thing is a problem i need your help so i i pray i, I would suggest by the way that you pray out loud jesus you sent god you sent your son jesus to die and rise again you sent your holy spirit to empower me. So I pray that you would bind the spirit of fear in my life that would cause me to compare and to be jealous. I pray that you would bind the spirit of fear in my life. And Second Timothy 1 or 2 verse one, Second Timothy 1 verse 7 goes on to say that God did not give you a spirit of fear. He gives you power and love and a sound mind. So out loud, you say, God, would you bind the spirit of fear in my life that would keep me from being everything you created me to be, that would, that, that would cause me to, to lean towards comparison and jealousy? You bind that in Jesus' name. And then you ask that he would give you power. Power. You understand, when you, when you get to the ability that you make today your masterpiece, that you take the gifts and the abilities and the, and the talents and the opportunities that are before you, given to you by God, and through his strength and for his glory, you max him out, that you tell that great story. You bind the spirit of fear. You take hold of power and love and love. Did I mention that Saul would have fit in pretty good in Chilliwack in 2020? Love. You know, jealousy is ugly, right? We all struggle with it. And here's the ugliest part of jealousy, by the way. It's that little part of you and you felt it before. Little part of you that actually, when, you get jeal- when jealousy kind of t- starts to run your show a little bit, uh, you will actually take joy in the misfortune of others. There's a little tiny, you don't, li- you don't like it, not too many people say it out loud, but I'll say almost anything out loud. There's a little tiny part of you that starts to take joy in the misfortune of others. That ain't you. Let me say that again, that's not you. That's why you pray that God would bind the spirit of fear and give you power and love. You're a lover, not a hater. You're a builder, not a destroyer. That God would give you eyes to see people the way he sees people and love people the way he loves people and care for people the way he cares for people. You confess to God that you need his help. You bind the spirit of fear. You take hold of power, love, and a sound mind, right? Like I can go through this all the time and say, man, jealousy is a cancer, and I think we all agree with that. You've never been more hopeful. You've never been more effective. You've never been more joyful. You've never been more loving because of jealousy. We all know that, but we need his help. We need a sound mind that has the ability to reject those thoughts of comparison and jealousy that come in. So number one, two words, four steps. Number one, confession. Confession to God and confession to people. James chapter five says this, confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other that you might be healed. You need someone in your life who loves Jesus and loves you that you can come up to and say, man, I'm really struggling with this jealousy thing. I'm really struggling with this comparison thing. Would you pray for me? I think what's important to note too, you know, is that if you've been going to church for a long time, if church is kind of your thing, maybe you grew up in church, whatever it is, I think we can kind of take for granted that you actually might have someone in your life that loves Jesus and loves you. But there's a lot of people that walk in through the doors of Southside Church that don't have anybody who loves Jesus and loves them yet. And I really believe that in order to run this race, to live this life that God has called us to live as Christians, we need him, but we also need each other. We need other people. And that's why I make this statement sometimes. It's kind of a prayer. I say that we're not a large church. We're a small church with lots of people. I say that as a prayer because I want that to be true of us. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want people to be disconnected. I don't want people to be numbers. I don't want people to just walk out the door without anybody noticing them. But I really, really need your help. We really, really need your help. Man, if you're somebody and church is new to you or or it's newish to you and and you're not connected yet, one of the things that we really believe in here, and Brianna talked about it earlier, is the importance of small groups. So if you're disconnected, I would love for you to step out in faith today and text the keyword GROUP to 604-670-3040. Man, if you could find one person that could be in your corner and pray for you, it would be so worth it. And as I woke up this morning thinking that I was going to say that to you, I realized what some of you might be thinking right away. I'm not joining a small group. It could be full of wingnuts. I'm not going to join a group full of weirdos. Okay, so two things about that. One, uh, it's not like when you join, you, you're, like you're committed for life. If you hate it, you can go to a different group. And the truth is that there will be weird people in that group. There will be. And you'll fit in great because you're weird too. You know that. It's important, though, like, we're going we're gonna to defeat this this year. We're not going to live powerless lives. We're not going to live in this posture of jealousy. We're talking about posture today, you know? We're not going to live that way. We're going to defeat it. It's two words and four steps. Number one, confession. Confess to God. Con- confess to people. And, and, and the second word is celebration. Celebrate people. Celebrate people. Because I don't feel like celebrating people. I believe it. So just fake it till you make it. No, you have my permission. Just fake it till you make it. Like I I was going to say earlier, like when you start to live your life with power, love, and a sound mind, you're going to love who you are. You're going to love who God makes you to be. And when you start to be a celebrator of others, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. So when you're scrolling through social media, this is how you scroll through social media, by the way. If you're not doing it this way, you should. this is how you do it, okay? And you come across that picture or that post from that person, and they just frost your, they're so annoying, you know? And you want to get your knickers in a knot, and you want to just, like, keep scrolling or show somebody else and say, look, you know, look. Don't like it. See, I'm not jealous of them. I'm just annoyed by them. There's a fine line, by the way, between being annoyed by somebody and being jealous of them. But I believe you. I believe you. You're not jealous at all. You're just annoyed. Like it. Celebrate them and leave a comment. You know, uh, congrats on your second PhD. Way to go. Thumbs up emoji, right? Or, man, that breakfast that you posted looks almost as good as the breakfast you posted yesterday. Amazing. (laughs) So hearty, yet attractive, you know? Uh, Man, your family picture looks so beautiful. Praying that you guys would have an awesome 2020. Like, you're gonna love who you are when you celebrate people. You will. You're a lover, not a hater. You're a builder, not a destroyer. I remember years ago, I was going to this wee little gym, really small gym, like so small that uh, you knew everybody that was working out at the gym at the same time you were working out. Kind of have a group of regulars that all show up around the same time. But one day, a new guy showed up at our little gym, you know, new guy. And, and, and the front windows overlooked the parking lot so you could always see when uh, people pulled up. And this new guy pulled up with like a fancy, fancy, expensive sports car with like a really, really good sound system. I know that because I could hear the music from his car more clearly than I could hear the music in the gym. That's how, okay, it was a good sound system. And then the guy gets out. Well, he's just perfect, you know, Mr. Perfect. Perfect clothes, you know, perfect physique, perfect fake tan you know, perfect hair done for the gym, perfect jewelry, you know, course, you got to have your jewelry on when you work out, right? And I could tell as soon as the guy walked in, everybody was so annoyed. And so it was like this unspoken agreement that we all came to. We're not going to talk to Mr. Perfect. You know, that'll teach him, right? And so uh, I didn't. I'm just like, no, I'm not talking to Mr. Perfect. And, 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 uh, and then I was there the next day, and Mr. Perfect showed up again. And I'm like, hey, that ain't me. And i go talk to Mr. Perfect. So I walked over to him, and it, I said something really simple. I think it might have been this, actually. Um, Dude, your car is amazing. Do you love it? I think that's the, that's the way the conversation started. And guess what? We became really good friends. He had a twin brother, and when they wouldn't get along, it really hurt him. Walked with him through uh, an illness that his mom went through. In fact, he showed up at this church many, many times until he moved back east. And I gotta tell you, honestly, I love day two a lot more than day one. I love who I am when I celebrate people. Because I think you were born, I think we were born to celebrate, not to critique, to elevate, not to devalue, you know what I mean? We, we can destroy jealousy in our lives. We can destroy comparison in our lives. It's two words and four steps. Number One, confession, confess to God, confess to people. Number two, celebration. Celebrate people and celebrate God. You know, because you kind of got you to pick. <laughs> you, you've, got, you've got a great story to tell this year. You've got an incredible life to live this year. And so you got to pick. There's this old proverb that says, if you chase two rabbits, you'll lose them both. So you really got to pick. Either take hold of everything that God has for you today. All your talent, all your ability, all your gifts, all your opportunities... And just ask him to help you light him up. Or abdicate you, give up on you, and validate and define yourself according to other people. You got to pick. Celebrate God. Let me read you a story that'll illustrate that. Chuck Swindoll went to visit a veteran's hospital years ago. He said this, The day I arrived to visit, I saw a touching scene. This injured soldier was not allowed visitors in the early months of his healing. He had a young son, and during his confinement in the hospital, he had made his son a little wooden truck. Since the boy was not allowed to go into the ward and visit his father, an orderly had brought the gift down to the child, who was waiting in front of the hospital with his mom. The father was looking out of a fifth-floor window, watching his son unwrap the gift the little boy opened up the package and his eyes got wide when he saw that wonderful little truck. He hugged it to his chest. Meanwhile, the father was walking back and forth, waving his arms at this fifth floor window, trying to get his son's attention. The little boy put the truck down and he reached up and he hugged the orderly and thanked him so much for the truck. And all the while, the frustrated father was going through these dramatic gestures, trying to say, it's me, son. I made the truck for you. I gave that to you. Look up here. I could almost read his lips. Finally, the mother and the orderly turned the boy's attention up to that fifth floor window. It was then that the boy cried, Daddy, oh, thank you. I miss you, Daddy. Come home, Daddy. Thanks for my truck. And the father stood in the window with tears pouring down his cheeks. Let me tell you something that you already know you were created on purpose with a purpose for a purpose by a heavenly father who does not make mistakes he sent his son jesus jesus was born he lived died rose again for you so you could get past your past and start fresh in the now and he sent his holy spirit to help you make today this year your masterpiece so here's what i was thinking What if we took everything that he had given us and lived a life that looked up to our Heavenly Father and just said two words? Thank you. You know what it's about? It just hit me. It's all about posture. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for every person in this room. Everyone watching online, thank you that you you have a plan and a purpose and power for us. And I pray that you would give us the ability to take everything that you first gave us and live a life that just says thank you. We're full of faith. The best is yet to come because of you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great week. Hey, thanks so much for watching today. Why don't you come join us at any of our four Sunday services. We meet at Sardis Secondary School in Chilliwack, British Columbia. And for more info, you can visit southsidelife.com.